Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. We are doing a repeat this time, partially for schedule reasons, because I'm working at my second job this weekend, and partially because Friday night's episode is just one of those tremendously sad episodes. So we will be skipping it, but we obviously encourage you to watch it. When I saw a parent's fight or a parent's struggle, I was like, oh, this is a child. This is hard for us to cover. Obviously, still watch it. Yes. This it's not a child child. Story. It's a young woman, teenager. That's, but that's it's still rough, horrible. That's rough. Yeah. yeah. And also when there's SA things, we try not to do them. We so yeah. in, uh, sometimes people submit episodes to us and it usually there's a reason we haven't done it if you're submitting an old episode. But still send them in. I love hearing your suggestions. But that's yeah. One of the main reasons we don't do it. But anyways, this episode is wild and they re-aired it recently on a Friday night. And so oh, and did I they? Never, yeah. Oh. And that and it got in my head because I was like, Have I seen this? How have I not seen this? And I was watching it with my parents and my dad kept saying, I know who did it. And I was like, I have no idea because I missed the first ten minutes. And also I had never seen it, I guess. And it's the craziest episode. So it's really I had actually written it down for us to do as you know, as a repeat. And hilariously, I remember why I didn't give it to you. It was when I was looking for ones for you, because it's a two hour. Yeah, we usually try to do the one hours if possible. So to watch this episode, Google and this is how you find all Dateline episodes. Google Dateline and the name of the episode. And then you can click on videos. Or sometimes on the right, it'll say where to watch. And if you click on the NBC one, it takes you to that old NBC site. Anyways, this has been fascinating. This is episode, (laughs) sorry, season 26, episode 33. And it aired May 18th, 2018. And we started the podcast in 2017. So I don't know why we skipped this episode. There must have been a reason. Yeah. Maybe we had the week off. We sometimes had a few weeks where we wouldn't do it. So yeah. yeah, it's hosted by Andrea. So we're getting a lot of Andrea. We're in an Andrea. That feels right for the mind. holidays. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. I like it. There is no Lester at the beginning. At least I thought there was no Lester. You're hearing his voice, but you're not seeing Lester. I didn't but see I was like, does his voice sound like he's wearing a vest? In 2018, absolutely. He, well, that's what I thought. But then we see him because. Or at least the version I watched. I also watched it on my TV because my DVR had recorded it when it re-aired. So I was watching like sometimes on my computer on the NBC site and sometimes on my hmm. on the TV. So when they aired it on the TV on Friday night a couple Fridays ago, they inserted one of the newer clips of him saying, and this is Dateline, and he's wearing the hanky. He's not wearing the vest. So it ruined the just very... It's just very stressful. But Mike V (laughs) had the best idea on Twitter. He said, let's have Mank start wearing a vest and see what Lester does. Really good idea. Yeah. Strong idea, Mike V. I like that. I approve. So this is the story of Bill Harrison and Bridget Blackwell, who are a middle-aged married couple who lived in a house on Cherry Blossom Lane. Just kidding. It's Pitch Pine Crescent. It should... I don't like that title. Why? I don't usually like when it has the name of a... I'm kind of into it. I don't know why. It's very specific. I like it. It's not diabolical or yeah, revenge. I li- yeah, you you're know. right. Yeah. You're right. We are outside of Toronto. So we're in Canada with oh. our Canadian queen, Andrea. Here we go. 
Bill worked in management for a grocery store chain. She was a former child star, which I would have loved to have seen some more clips of that. Yeah, I mean, turned school superintendent. And they adopted their son, Caleb, as a baby. Bridget was the stricter parent. Bill was a peacemaker. Their house was the house where the whole extended family would come together. The neighbors would be part of the family, everyone. It was like a house of happiness until it turned into a house of horror which is the name of another Dateline episode, but maybe should have been in this one. So in 2000, Caleb was 27 years old. So he's all grown up. He marries a woman named Melissa and they have two children. Bill and Bridget loved being grandparents, but eventually Melissa and Caleb got divorced. He was stressed and drinking a lot. And one night he did one of the horrible, horriblest things, which is drunk driving. Everyone, let's be safe this holiday season. Buzz driving is drunk driving. Is that the expression? That is the truth. That is true facts. That is true facts. So Spitting just don't. Knowledge. Just don't. We've got lots just, of options. Just don't. Please don't. But so he one night he crashed into another car and killed the driver. He served time in jail for this. Yeah. Cut to 2009. Bridget comes home from work and she finds Bill in the bathroom dead he is wedged between the wall and the toilet so this is our first death and also very sad because bill seemed like the nicest person yeah she calls 911 she's very calm and i was a little suspicious at how calm she was bill's sister comes over too and says yeah we were both very calm it was strange behavior and i think that's just shock or i'm suspicious I try not to judge people by their behavior, except I do it all the time. So Bill was 64. He was super active and healthy, but the coroner says he had a heart attack. So can I ask a question? Do we see how what level of dressed he's in in the bathroom? Do they tell us? That's a great question. I I would love to have seen that. I don't feel like they tell us like because he's between the toilet and the shower. Between the toilet and the wall. So was, but the shower was right in front of the toilet, right? If I remember that bathroom, correct? So was he getting out of the shower and fell towards the No, I believe he was going to the bathroom. Or was he going to the bathroom? And if so, was he fully dressed or was he in a state of like partial undress? What They don't tell us. He, I think they would tell us if he was, maybe they wouldn't. The door was locked, which they all think is very strange because he was home alone at the time. So would he lock, do you all pull time? Do you guys lock your, lock the bathroom door when you're home by yourself? Do you close the do bathroom door? Do you even door? close the door? Do you close I it do all not. the way? Yeah. I do not. 100%. I never close the door. Right. If you're home by yourself, I think most, well, I don't know, maybe some people, if you have children that might run through the house, maybe, but I don't know. I feel like he, that's a weird thing. Maybe you're like exceptionally modest and you don't even want whatever spirits are around in your bedroom to see you in the bathroom. Or it's a habit. Again, we've run into this before where the toilet flushing, is it just Uh an instinctual habit to flush the door? Do you go in and lock the door? No, we had a toilet that was, the seat was down, even though it was a man. And then that was very suspicious. I would have liked to known that too about this, by the way, because I feel like it immediately tells you if it's foul play and we don't get any of that information. What was the toilet seat position? Toilet trouble. I need to know. So we're meeting a lot of amazing family members. Niece Nicole, who my mom Joni said is stunning. Joni is not wrong. 
Yeah. And Bridget's brother, Doug, who is also a great interview, obsessed. He's an MVP. He has this white kind of little boy haircut, and he's he gives a really good interview. I love Doug from the minute. He was the one. Yeah. So everyone thinks it's strange, but they accept that it's a natural death, except for Bridget, the wife. She thinks something is odd. She even tells her friend, I think he was murdered. And the friend doesn't even question. Andrea's like, so did you do a follow-up question? No, I was just so surprised. I just figured, no, I didn't bring it up again. I feel like the it feels to me like the friend doesn't want to say this, but the friend was probably really skeptical. She was sitting yeah. in the car with her friend who's in full grieving yeah. and says, you know, I really think he was murdered. And she's like, oh, no, she's kind of delusional. I don't know what to say. <laughs> right. She's in mourning. Let's just yeah. move on past this. But the friend didn't want to say that on Dateline. But I feel like that's probably what happened. Uh-huh. Yeah. So a few months later, after Bill dies, Caleb gets out of prison and... He lives with his mom, Bridget, and his kids live there. He cannot drive anymore. He has his license taken away. So she's driving them to school and him to work. They're all living in the house together. There's friction between Bridget and Caleb because Bill was the peacemaker and he's no longer there. And I'm sorry, Caleb's dad died while he was in prison serving for manslaughter. Correct. That's pretty brutal. Yeah. He was allowed to go see the body in his prison uniform, but he wasn't allowed to attend the funeral. I guess. How horrific. That's yeah. so sad. So it's now one year since Bill died and Bridget is still devastated, still trying to pick up the pieces. Yeah. When she is found by her grandson on the stairs, laying on her back like she has fallen down the stairs. The little boy runs to a neighbor's house. The neighbor calls 911. Paramedics drive there 100 kilometers an hour, which is, I guess, fast. I don't know what that is in miles per hour. I'm sure it's very fast. Did they say 100 kilometers? Yeah, they're in Canada, man. A. So the woman is dead. It's Bridget. Sorry, they made it seem like dramatic. And then they go, that woman was Bridget. But I already told you it was Bridget. She's at the bottom of the stairs, but she's on her back and she has strange bruising around her neck or her bottom of her chin area. Yeah. Caleb was at work. He comes home. He has to call all the relatives. Bill's sister, who is Sorry. a nurse. Stop. Yes. Who finds Bridget? A child? Caleb's son. One of Caleb's children. Why is he coming into the house with... He got dropped off after school, I guess. Oh, okay. So Caleb was at work. He comes home. He tells all the relatives. Bill's sister, who's a nurse, comes and sees Bridget's body and thinks, why is she on her back? That doesn't look right. None of this looks right. I don't feel like she fell. Liz is great, too. The yeah, sister. Liz... We get good siblings. Great great relatives. Really good family. The niece, Nicole, is shocked that this is happening again right around the year mark. Or And then another niece that we meet thinks maybe she died of a broken heart, like the stress of her body and being so... I've heard of spouses dying quickly after their spouse dies because yes. it's just too much. Maybe that's what happened. Does that also happen in older couples, though? I'm yeah, much older. Much older, I would okay. say. So niece Nicole, who is stunning, thinks that this is not an accident. And she thinks back to Bill's death. And she said it was a mucky story. The whole thing was mucky. 
And I liked that word. Mm. I don't say it enough. Yeah, Mucky's good. She said, we all thought Bill's death was weird, but we just wanted to rally together and be there for Caleb and the kids and Bridget. So we just had to let it go because we wanted to be there for him. But now it had happened again. And they had also done the thing that most people on Dateline do, which is they assumed the authorities had followed every channel and done everything thoroughly. And they said it was, you know, a heart attack. So they said, okay. So now the family is pushing the police to investigate Bridget's death. Yeah. And the chief forensic pathologist wants to go back and look at Bill's body now that there's been two deaths in a year. But Bill's body was cremated. So that chapter has been closed. Caleb is now 37. His friend is on Dateline saying that he wasn't speaking. He was devastated. He had to go stay in a hotel because he didn't want to stay at the house. Please bring him in to talk about Bridget. And he tell I was okay with Caleb. Caleb is wearing sunglasses on top of his visor, but it's not on the brim of the visor, which I found would find more annoying. And they're not in the back of his head like I Fieri. I'm judging him solely on where his sunglasses are placed with the visor. I thought the sunglasses being there were the problem. The problem. They are yellowish, like those. They're kind of. I think I'm just also. Yeah, they're mirrored yellow. They're like Oakleys. But I also feel. I think I'm just too old fashioned. I think is what is happening. I felt the same way a long time in the early days about what people are wearing in their Dateline interview. I feel like yeah. felt like you should wear your Sunday best. Yeah, absolutely. I but still think that. I still think you could do it a little. You know, do it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, collared shirts, fine. No you balls know. to the wall shirt. Yeah, a t-shirt with a graphic print, unless you're in a band. When I the episode I did with Jake, the kids are all wearing like logo t-shirts because they're literally the bandmates does that make sense so it makes sense for them to be wearing so they're not doing shameless promotion of their band they're doing it to honor the person who died who was also in the band and they're also no it's not even their own band it's just they're wearing t-shirts because they're surrounded by instruments when dennis is interviewing them oh does that make sense it's It's like they're in in their garage okay okay so it'd be weird to see like an interview with nirvana in polos I understand. So this made sense for that. It's yeah, just other circumstances. But sorry. So in this case, what I don't understand is I feel like if you're in a police interrogation, maybe you just take off any headwear. Yeah. So if you're wearing a ball cap, you just mm-hmm. put it on the table or whatever. But yeah. also, this is hours after his mom has passed. So he gets a break on everything. He does. You really do. So Caleb tells the police that Bridget would drive the kids to school and him to work. And he said... This seemed odd to me. He says, she's still dealing with the things regarding my dad's death, but I don't get into it with her. It's personal business. And I thought that was a little, I don't know what, she's probably still has paperwork or life insurance, or he probably still gets mail there and things like that. Was that meaning emotionally or like she's still dealing with taxes? He's saying she has day-to-day stuff that she has to do regarding her dad's death. And he doesn't get into it because it's personal. And I thought, well, I'm all up in my parents' business. I am too far up in my parents' business. (laughs) I would be going through their mail and helping them. What did he do, Bill? What was his job? He was a manager for a restaurant. I'm sorry, a grocery chain. She didn't take over any of those duties, right? No, no. I wonder. 
This I is wonder all... what he's talking about. I don't know what Caleb is talking about. There it's... apparently are things that you have to do for a year no, after. No, there is not. That's why I'm confused. I think that he's also confused. I think he might be meaning emotionally she's not over it. No, but he's like saying this is what she does all day. <laughs> it's very strange. I don't she think also, Caleb I knows think what he's... she does. I don't think I don't, Caleb think asked her, honestly. They are fairly estranged, yeah. like, even though they're living in the same house. And so they just don't talk that much. Yeah. So it's, they ask him about the bruising and it was on, they say the chin part above her neck, like the lower chin. Earlier they had said neck, but now they're saying whatever this neck, your Mm -hmm. jawbone is. So he says, yeah, that wasn't there this morning when I left. And she was a fairly healthy person. So this is all surprising. Police found nothing disturbing disturbed in the house or disturbing there's nothing like it was you know a burglary or anything there are no signs of forced entry the door was unlocked and caleb said that was normal they would always leave the door unlocked during the day and he is also very calm when he's explaining things but again this maybe just is how that family is and it is maybe also a state of shock because he's now lost two parents in a year's time canada also, maybe Canada. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, they all seem very sort of logical and yeah. calm. What Caleb is saying in the interview rings true to me. Did it ring true to you? Yeah. When he says the thing about the bruise mm-hmm. wasn't there before, I was mm-hmm. like, that's exactly how you would answer that question. You'd be mm-hmm. like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. It wasn't there when I saw her. It seemed completely believable. Did I still think Caleb did it? Yes. You did? I fully did. I was like, oh, Caleb did it. This is oh. what's happening. Now, again, I missed the beginning part of this episode, so I was kind of just watching and listening to my parents try to explain it to me and my mom that I was a little confused, but I was like, oh, he did it. But I'm thinking two people died. The parents died. It has to be the child, even though I didn't because I didn't really know that he was in jail when Bill died. So that didn't I didn't really know that part. I started to think that he had had someone come in for Bill. Yeah. And then I thought, I thought it would made the most sense. If your horse is not zebra thing, it makes the most sense because there was no forced entry in the house. So it was someone they know. Yeah. And there's just, it doesn't seem like there's that big of a net of people. Right. So then we, and we do find out some things about Caleb that are not flattering. They bring in his ex, Melissa, yeah. whose son found Bridget. And she confirms that Bridget was in good health. And she thinks it's very strange that it was... Yes. Sorry, they do say at one point that Bridget had a little bit of diabetes, a little bit of the a little bit, a little bit of beaties, baby beaties. What does that mean? Baby beaties. Maybe she was pre-diabetic. Interesting. Although I think once you get it, it's like being pregnant, like you either are or you aren't. But maybe it is there. There's low levels. It was a weird. It was a weird comment. I was like, do you not know? (laughs) She was on the cusp. Okay. So, or she just had it, it was regulated through medication. She didn't need insulin. Insulin. Okay. That, That's what that I think makes it more is. sense. It seemed like, again, he didn't know. He seemed to, she maybe said something in passing once, and he's like, she maybe had a little bit of diabetes. And I'm like, yeah. Caleb, do you really not know anything about your mom? You yeah, don't know what they, she did all day. You don't know if she had diabetes or not. No. You Nothing. Okay. So, Melissa says, yeah, Bridget was in good health. She didn't mention the baby beaties. And she does think it's weird. She said it was a week and a year from when Bill died Mm -hmm. that 
Bridget died. And that's very strange. And then she says, I don't know, maybe she was stressed or heartbroken. And then Melissa says, now I don't want to point fingers because I know fingers are being pointed. And that's not why I'm here to point fingers. But Caleb did not have a good relationship with his mom. Now, I'm not saying he did it, but he was violent with me and he was convicted of DV with me. He was sneaky and was he was out to get people. If they pissed him off, he could harm people. But again, I don't want to make assumptions. And I'm not going to say that maybe he beat her and she died and he actually is the murderer. But I'm not saying that. And I don't want to point fingers. I'm not saying that. I know what he's capable of, but I don't want to point fingers. This is very, very close to what she actually says. Now, I'm not going to say that Bombas makes the best socks, shirts, and underwear on the market, and I'm definitely not going to say that they donate an item to people in need for every item you buy. I would never say something like that. You could go on their website and confirm that that is true. Or you could listen to me. I'm going to say that. Or listen to Katie. I would never, though. Kimberly would never say it. I love Bombas. I don't want to point fingers and say Bombas are the best socks on the market, but I'm, I mean... I might as well. They are. You could look on their website, find some amazing holiday gifts that feel good and do good. But again, I'm not saying it. I will say I wouldn't mind some Bombas' presents. And I don't think the members of your family would mind getting Bombas' presents. I'm not going to say that I have three separate windows up with three separate Bombas (laughs) orders up right now in my web browser. But I might. They use the materials that are so soft, like premium Pima cotton and ultra soft, never itchy merino wool in their socks and t-shirts Love it. and fuzzy Sherpa linings in their slippers. I think a lot of us now have texture issues. And I think it don't I always I, I have texture issues. OK. And I talk to people who are like, I really have texture issues. Like I have texture issues with food, with fabrics. And my mom has crazy texture issues. It has to be the softest thing in the world or she won't wear it. So if a shirt that I give her is not soft enough, she'll wear one of her softer shirts under it and do a layering situation. Yeah, got it. Because the softest has to be next to her skin. Bombas is perfect for people who have texture issues. Yes, it is. You have to check out their holiday collection. No, I'm not going to say that you have to. I will. You have to check it out. It's amazing. Snowflake geometric designs, purples and greens and retro ski patterns. So fun. And I'm definitely not saying you should do a holiday photo where you're all wearing matching Bombas, but I would like it and I would like you to send me the photo. And remember that socks and underwear and T-shirts are the three most requested clothing items in homeless shelters. And Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, they've donated 75 million items of clothing. And I'm not going to say that that's incredible. Dot, dot, dot. It's incredible. Give the good this holiday season with Bombas. Go to bombas.com slash date dateline and use code date dateline for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash date dateline and use code date dateline for 20% off. Bombas.com slash date dateline code date dateline. Thank you, Bombas. Thank you, Bombas. Katie, let's talk winter hair. Oh, boy. All right. It has started raining here, and the weather has dropped far below 70. Yeah. I'm confused, and so is my hair. 
Pros can help you with that. Pros can help you with any hair, hair issue you have. And most of you have probably heard us singing the praises of Pros over the years on this podcast because they are the world's most personalized hair care. And I want to talk about the incredible results I'm still seeing from using my customized Pros products. Thanks to my Pros Custom Hair Care, my hair is smoother, my hair is softer, and my hair is stronger. Also, I think my breakage has improved, which mm. is saying a lot from someone mm -hmm. who's bleached their hair white for multiple years. I use a customized shampoo and conditioner. I use a pre-shampoo mask once a week, and I use this amazing hair oil. My hair oil is so special because it actually works between washings. It helps keep my ends hydrated, and it helps keep my hair smelling really, really good. You know how after a couple of days of no shampoo, your hair starts to get that? I'm not going to say it's a bad smell. I'm just going to say it's a smell. It's a bad smell. My my pro's hair oil makes my hair smell like this gardenia and sandalwoody mixture. I like flip my hair and I can smell my hair. It's great. <laughs> it's really good. Pros has turned Katie into a hair flipper and she was not one of those girls. Nary a hair flipper, but I've always wanted to be. They have all sorts of scents that you can try though. Aromatic, floral, powdery, fresh, just every option for your nose to love. Pros knows that there is more to you than just your hair type or your preferred scent when you hair flip. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started. And by analyzing over 85 personal factors, Pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. Pros also has a review and refine feature, and it let me tweak my formula. For example, when I added a pink tint to my usually platinum hair, I was able to let them know, and now my formula has been adjusted to my new hair lifestyle, I'm going to call it. Mm -hmm. And I also switched up the scent. Mm -hmm. As a carbon neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. And Ooh. if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair care regimen with your name all over it. Literally, your name is on the bottle. It's really cool. So take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Because in 2023, it's time to strike a pros. Pros, 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 pros. Thank you so much, pros. Thank you. So... Melissa is clearly not pointing the finger at Caleb. She's not fingering Caleb, you mean? She what? I said she's not fingering Caleb, you mean? I can't believe you missed the opportunity. I can't believe you just said that. You missed it. Do so you want to go back? Do you want to go back and say it? And I'll pretend No, like I'm you just going to say it a lot now. If she's fingering Caleb all over Canada. There you go. A. <laughs> so, false fingering for the <laughs> So they bring in Melissa's boyfriend, Chris, who also has two kids with Melissa. Mm -hmm. So she has two kids with Caleb, two kids with Chris. Chris flat out says, I'm immediately thinking it's Caleb. I don't like him. He's violent. So he fingers him flat out, a flat out fingering. And whereas Melissa's was more under the table fingering. Should I stop now? Good God. So it's Christmas. Stop it. Seriously looking at Caleb. I mean, he had a violent past. Mm -hmm. He 
was going to benefit financially from his parents' death. He was the one that was going to get whatever life insurance, money, will, you know, and the house. So everyone in the family, again, the whole family is so logical. And they say, we understand why they were looking at Caleb. It perfectly makes sense to us. But we don't think that he did it. It's really surprising. They take, they understand the emotional, the mm-hmm. emotionality of it. But it's like they've removed that and been like, we see what, yes. the, what the police are doing. We very much respect them, uh-huh. but they're wrong. It's the nicest, calmest way to do this. Yeah. And then niece Nicole says, I know he would never hurt Bridget. He would never hurt anyone like that. And then you flash back to what Melissa said about the DV and you're wondering what Caleb is actually like. We still don't really have a clear picture of who he is. No, and all we've seen is the visor and sunglasses, which right, it's rough. So again, though, they weren't sitting on the brim of the visor. But they were still there, Kimberly. Yeah, they were still there. In a police interview. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Now, his friend doesn't believe that he was ever abusive to Melissa. And she said, I never saw anything. I was with them all the time and I never saw anything. I don't think that's holds that much weight. I think that's not really how that works. You really can't. It you doesn't really never know. It doesn't mean anything. Now, Caleb was at work all day. So could he have even actually killed Bridget? The police just are stuck. They don't really have anyone else to look at. Weeks pass. The family is telling them, please don't give up on this, please. And... They eventually give up. It's been a couple months, and they say Bridget's death was undetermined, but they're closing the case. Mm. So, yeah. Bridget's brother, Doug, who we love, says the police never told us they closed it, but they seem to be under the impression that they told us. And Andrea says, I think you would remember them telling you they've closed the case. And he says, I would think so. And he and Andrea become best friends. Yes, they do. And they probably went out to dinner. Yeah. Bridget's brother thinks that Caleb is now in danger. He thinks, who is the third member of that family who lives in that house? Is this that the watcher situation where someone is sending letters, someone's killing everyone in the house because they want the house? What's ha- Is it a spirit? Is it the ghost of a Victorian child who used to live in the house and wants it back? Interesting. I don't know. Pitch Pine Crescent. It sounds like a lovely Sounds like house. it could be a child ghost. Yeah. It's definitely. the crescent in it that does yeah. it, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe the house was owned by witches, the bad kind. Uh-huh. The okay. bad kind. The bad and witches. And they did things when the moon was crescent-shaped. Correct. In yeah. the house on Pitch Pine Crescent. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he thinks... Caleb, you're in danger now. They've killed both your parents. It's going to be you next. And Caleb this I didn't says, buy. <laughs> you thought, no, he's not. I thought, no, he's not in danger. I thought that's ridiculous. So Caleb doesn't think he's in danger. He says, no, I'm a big, tough guy. I'm fine. Nothing's going to happen to me. So now it is 2013, three years after Bridget's death. Caleb has a new girlfriend and is still living in his parents' house. He is a very devoted dad to his kids and is working hard and everything seems to be going okay. Yeah. But then we meet a guy named Paolo who does not look like a Paolo or Paolo. 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 This freaked me out because when Paolo comes on and he starts talking about Caleb 
in a tense that he shouldn't be talking about Caleb about. Right. I was like, there's no way. No, well, then Dateline in their pre, even before Paola comes on, Andrea goes, or, or Lester says, up next, Caleb disappears. Oh, see, that wasn't in mine. Caleb so goes missing. And I was thinking, they are doing a huge fake out and making us think a third person gets murdered. And that wasn't in the one I watched. So I didn't get that at all. All I got was Paolo being like, he was such a good father. And I'm like, what are you talking about was? Yeah. Either Caleb's in prison uh-huh. or Caleb's not on this earth anymore. Right. So I was really confused. So he works with Caleb and he's very concerned that Caleb doesn't show up for work one day. And he's only five minutes late or something, but that was huge for him. He would text or call her and say, I'm 30 seconds behind. So he was punctual to a T in almost a way that would be annoying. That's if someone wild. called me and said, I'm going to be 30 seconds late, I would say that was a waste of a call. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't please bug stop, me with Please that. stop calling. Just text me next time. Just text me when you're at five minutes late. I don't need the 30-second countdown. <laughs> so he, Paolo, decides to drive to the house. And he thinks Caleb might be goofing off with his girlfriend there. And he's like, I'm going to go. And then we're going to razz him forever that he was late because he was playing hooky with his girlfriend. We should also be clear. The house that he's driving to is Pitch Pine Crescent. It's all Pitch Pine Crescent. I, I wrote in all caps, he stays in-house. He stays in the house. I mean... I don't... It was the house he grew up in, and maybe the children like the house. Maybe it's just really profitable to keep that house. But they both both died in the house. I know. It's... I don't know. Would you do it, you guys? I don't know. Would you do it? Maybe depends. These are very logical people. They They do not believe in spirits or ghosts, I think. They do not. So... Maybe they think, no, it's still a good house and all my stuff is here. Why would I move? That's what I, I think. I don't know. But I'm a little stitious. I don't think it's good. <laughs> I would be a little stitious too yeah. and would maybe get out of there. I would get out of there not because it bothers me or makes me sad. Well, that would be part of it, but 80% would be, I think I'm about to be killed by a Victorian ghost. Yeah. You would think that there's something in the house that wants people to die. Right. So either living, non-living, something. Something. Maybe I should go in a new location and Let's see how I do. Let's check the carbon monoxide detectors. Let's get every... like. Right. There's... It just... It, to me, Was it would be... Was this on an Indian burial ground? I don't know. Something. One, one I understand. Two feels hard. Yeah. Because regardless of what kind of a relationship he had with his parents, he st- they were, they were still his parents, and they were yeah. both in the house. Yeah. Tricky and accidental. Maybe you just close their bedroom and just go on, and then close the bathroom and the staircase. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Cool. So maybe he likes having reminders of his parents everywhere. It just seems like you own this house now. If I was Caleb, I feel like I probably, maybe he was getting around to it. Maybe he yeah. just wasn't ready to part with it yet. So maybe mm-hmm. it was he was emotionally attached to it because they were both, they both passed there. I don't know. We might be thinking about this wrong. Maybe yeah. that's how he felt about it. Maybe like, he thinks the parents would want me to stay in the house. Yeah, he felt their good spirit in the house. And so mm-hmm. wanted to stay. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. But now so, this is a whole other thing. It's a whole thing. Paolo goes to the house and the housekeeper is there cleaning. And she says, no, I haven't seen Caleb because she lets herself in. And she says, I don't clean his room. So I was like, what's going on in his room huh. that he doesn't let her clean in there? But she said, he might be in his room. I haven't seen it. 
So Paolo is walking up the stairs, calling Caleb's name. And you're thinking, this is a, I was thinking this is a Dateline fake out. There's no way. There is absolutely no way. And also they said Caleb disappeared or Caleb went missing in the preview part. So I thought, okay, he's not going to be in there. But they meant because he didn't show up to work. That was, I think, what they meant. Because Caleb is in there and he is deceased with a sleep mask over his face. And he's ice cold. My God. I could not believe I had not seen this episode. And how does this happen? What is happening? Three people in the same house. The oh whole family. Gosh. This is tragic. So it's like, I can't. It destroyed the whole family. I can't. It's wow. unbelievable. So tragic. So Andrea is interviewing the paramedic who rushes over. And the paramedic gets deja vu because he thinks... Wait, have I not been to this house before? I was. He found Bridget. The paramedic. What do you think about the paramedic? He's very Canadian. Did he remind you of anyone? Patrick. Patrick the paramedic. He reminded me of someone, but I can't put my finger on it. Is it your brother? <laughs> I could see that. It had like a hair of Matt in it. I could see that. Like Patrick and Matt might, I don't know, be yeah. friends? Yeah, maybe. Don't know. Yeah, it yeah. was something about him that I was like, hmm. Generic, nice, white guy. But no, it was the way he was answering questions. It was just, it was very detailed, and it was very, your brother's very polite whenever I talked to him. Patrick was incredibly well-mannered. Yeah. So, yeah, it was something in the manners department. I, I love that. It. Yeah. So Andrea says, I cannot believe you were in this house before. It gave me chills that you had been to this house before. Yeah. It would be even crazier if he was there and found Bill, too. That would be. Oh, my God. So Caleb, his body has bruising around his throat, scratch marks and cuts, like very violent and horrible. And right away they know it's foul play. Caleb is now the third one that has passed away in this house in a matter of four years. Burn it down. Right? Burn it. Level it. Start over. Kill it with fire. (laughs) Cleanse it. I don't, this is, I'm, this is not good. I would spray paint, not today, Satan. Yeah. And then light it up. Who's after this family? I know. This feels, and like this nice Canadian family, this isn't like I know. in LA. This isn't in Arizona yeah, or Yeah, douchebags that I know in LA. These are Canadians. These like are Canadians, nice Canadians. And not like drug dealing Canadians. No, very this respectable This isn't like a meth house. Canadians. That, you know, yeah, I don't get I it. I mean, Caleb had killed someone in a drunk driving accident. But he was working on his life. spent time in jail. Yeah. And had really turned it around and stuff. Yeah. So Bill and Bridget were pristine people with no high risk lifestyles, nothing dangerous. Very, very strange. very strange. So... And then the poor family, when the niece, Nicole, hears this, she collapses. She says it was in the realm of the bazaar. I think you're just broken at that point. You're just in utter shock. And Andrea calls it a horrifying version of Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Which I thought was very good. Bridget's brother, Doug, who told Caleb to be careful, he's very angry, but he thinks at least it's obvious that it was a murder and they're going to find the person this time. Yeah. And then he says, even the police couldn't not see that this is murder. <laughs> that was shade. But it was Canadian shade and it had like a double negative in there. So great. you're thinking, is it actually shade? But it's fully shade. He's saying even the cops can't ignore that this is murder, wow. which is hilarious because the cops are the ones who should be thinking it's murder. Always. 
right it away. Is also, at this point, that I've noticed that there have been absolutely zero police interviews in this entire episode so far, and we're yeah. pretty far. That's yeah. surprising. Not one. Yeah. Hmm. And the way the family criticizes the police is so non-American. It is. It's so, it's very polite. It's so polite. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little passive aggressive, but it's, it's not It's so obvious. polite, it's passive aggressive. Yeah. And so he says to Andrea, yeah, even the police couldn't not see that this is murder. And Andrea says, I mean, Hollywood would reject this script because it's so crazy. And the brother, Doug, says, yes, I have said that. Andrea, so we are excited. best friends. He gets so excited. He's like, I've said that so many times. <laughs> it's like, oh, that is one of your lines. And I love it. And I love I it love for it. you, Doug. It, I can picture you saying it. And you know it was going to be the next thing out of his mouth. And so when Andrea said it, his eyes lit up like stars. It was... He's going to tell that story forever, how sweet Andrea Canning agreed with him and said the same line that he's been saying. Would Doug like to come to my house for Christmas this year? I would like Doug to come. Yeah. I would like Doug to come and meet my mom. Is Doug betrothed? Maybe Doug should come and meet my mom. Actually, that's a great idea. I know it is. He's perfect. Doug, do you want a very old daughter? (laughs) (laughs) Doug, by any chance, do you have horses? Do you have a horse farm? Just let (laughs) me know. Just reach out. (laughs) So police realize Caleb is for sure been murdered. They think he's been beaten and strangled. It was horrible. They're looking at Bill and Bridget's death now. Finally. In more detail. Come on. And then they're also looking at Caleb's drunk driving accident, thinking, could this be payback? Four years later from when Caleb killed somebody, could it be the driver's family? Like revenge? That was good. A revenge killing of an entire family? I didn't even think of that. That would be an insane dateline. Yeah, that would be wild. So they bring back in Caleb's ex, Melissa, because they're trying to dig into Caleb's life. She says... Oh, yeah, we lost we she and Chris last saw Caleb the night before at their kids baseball game. And then we're getting kind of where they went after because they're asking for their alibi. Yeah, this is important. So her wording, she says at in and around 930 and then in and around 11 p.m. And we left it in and around 515. She says in and around three times. I don't like that. No one talks like that. And I feel like this is a little bit like. The pretty plus more with the contractions. Yeah. The maybe. minute she started saying in and around, I was like, are you a police officer? Because why are you talking like that? That's a really weird way. Why don't you just say around 930-ish or something? Is that a Canadian thing? Might be a Canadian thing. Also, this what- feels much like when my dad is very triggered when the forecasters on the news, the weather people say we're heading on into the weekend. Whenever it's like Wednesday and he just hates it. If I was talking to someone and they kept saying in and around, I would say, you need to stop. Like you told me to with straight shot. (laughs) But you were using it wrong. So I was using it correctly if you were in my brain. Okay. But not for everyone else. It was wrong. Right. So also, what is a pita pit? Okay. So I know what pita pit is because... Of my favorite YouTubers, Eamon and Beck, who are Canadians. So I've seen them get it before. I did look online to see if they have any in the U.S. And they do. There's not one anywhere near me, though. There might be one somewhere near you. Pita Pit? Okay. They have any, like a whole bunch of different kinds of wraps. Not just Mediterranean style, but 
a bunch of wraps. Looks it seems good. fun. But so they go to Pita Pit. And they also go to Subway. Some of them wanted Subway. Some of them wanted Pita Pit, which is interesting because they also have wraps at Subway. So you could technically go to both places. But I can understand sometimes you're really in the mood for Subway. And maybe sometimes you're really in the mood for Pita Pit. Yeah, makes sense. So you got to do it. No, also six children, right? No, at this point. No, at this point, you're right. Now they have six children. Two are the ones with Caleb. And four are Melissa and Chris. So... They're definitely going to have to eat at two places because some of the kids are going to want Subway and some of them are going to want Pita Pit. So she says, Chris was with me all night. You know, I was sleeping, but he's a really big guy. And she gives us his stats. I didn't write it down, but he's a big guy. And 300 something. He's size beautiful and very tall. 300 kilometers. (laughs) (laughs) He weighs 40 stones. Get out of here with the stones. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's not even right. I think it, it's it like was a, a fortnight. He weighs a fortnight. <laughs> Stop it. So he's a big guy. And so she says she would have known if he woke up and went somewhere in the middle of the night. And they interview Chris and Chris says the same thing. They went to the pita pit and the subway. And also says we left at in and around the game ended in and around 830. Okay, so this is a story they have practiced. Correct. Or this is how Canadians talk. And they're lining up their times. Yeah. So police see that, well, Caleb was strangled and he had bruises. Bridget also had bruises. Yes. Maybe she was strangled too. Come on. Mounties, mount up. Let's go. And then the police finally seem to realize That there has been an elephant in the room the entire episode that Dateline is just now telling us about. How dare you? There was a huge custody battle between Caleb and Melissa. And it's all there in case statements, court records. It's all, there's a paper trail. It's always the children. It always is. You know it's always the children. It's money and children. Yeah. So the police could have looked into this at any time. Caleb and Melissa have been fighting for the kids since 2005. When he was in prison, his parents, Bill and Bridget, shared custody of the kids with Melissa. Then when Bill died, and I mean literally when Bill died, the day Bill died, Melissa and Chris basically abducted the children. Literally. Bridget and her brother had to go to the police to report them missing. And she's also grieving her husband who has just died. So she explains to the police that the day Bill died, she went to the school to tell the kids about Bill, but they Mm. weren't there. And she knows that Melissa is not allowed to take them out of school. Mm. So Bridget goes to Melissa and Chris's house and it's all dark. She calls Melissa's dad and says, do you know where she is? Can you help us find Melissa? We just want to find the kids and be able to tell them about Bill. And also they are missing. Hmm. And she waits a couple days. She thinks they're going to show up at school on Monday. They don't show up at school on Monday. Then it's Tuesday and it's her day to have the kids. They don't show up. Hmm. She talks to private investigators. She is looking for them everywhere. Finally, there is like a police bulletin across Canada to find them. And they find them after seven months. They were missing for seven months living in Nova Scotia. Melissa is arrested for abduction and the kids come home to Bridget. Imagine going through this like your grandchildren are missing and you've just lost your husband. 
and it all happened on the same. No wonder Bridget was a mess. Yeah, seriously. And imagine that you're the police and you're not looking at Bill's death more closely in this vein, that it literally corresponds to the day when the grandchildren are abducted and go missing for seven months. I don't understand. I have flames on the side of my face already and we're not done yet. I really don't. Sorry, this is all the same town, right? Yeah. It would be the same police looking at both things. Yes. Okay. So they would definitely remember that there is a history in this family of some problem with the children. Yes. Okay. A few months later, Melissa is about to be sentenced for the kidnapping. And Bridget is going to give a victim impact statement at the sentencing. But she dies the day before the hearing. What the actual F in my face? I don't believe in coincidences. Usually, I'm sorry, Mick. I 99% don't believe in coincidences. This is insane. I don't understand. I don't understand. Sorry, was it a victim impact statement or was it a custody statement? Was this no? It was a victim impact statement of when she abducted the children. So she'd already been charged. She, she was had, already she going had to pled get guilty. She had pled guilty and she was going to be sentenced for okay. the abduction. Bridget was going to make a victim impact statement. Dies and the dies. day before. Okay. And apparently, Bridget's Doug, brother Doug, our hero, told the police everything from the very beginning. I don't know how Doug is so calm. He says, I told, he's like, I told them that it had to be them. They are, you know, the only ones who had anything against Bill and Bridget. They were very angry and these corresponded. And the police just were not interested. How is Doug so calm? I would be like red face, you know, like when you get like your chest area gets yes. all red yes. in your face and then like veins, weird yeah, veins start popping out. Yeah. yeah. No, I get it. Little spittle at the corners. Yeah. Yes. It would be, it would be a you full You look like thing. rabid, like you might be rabid. Yeah. Like you've eaten something weird. I think yeah. also he would, again, be a great match for my mom because my mom is infuriating. Yeah. So this is going to be <laughs> perfect. Match made in heaven. I love this idea. Who else is shipping? Doug dad. Doug and Liz. Dougie dad. Doug my dad. <laughs> my dad Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag my dad Doug. Hashtag you. my dad It's Doug. a sitcom. It's perfect. And you're all living together in the house. Yeah. And it's, it's called my dad Doug. It's perfect. Yeah. All right. I'm ready. So when Caleb was murdered, Melissa was trying to get 50% custody of the kids. So they're fighting again over the kids. Why she is allowed to have custody of the children after she abducted them for seven months is beyond me. Hmm. Canada, I have some questions. I do too. So after he was killed, she got full custody, which is what she wanted. She wanted all of her six kids together. Now the police are finally listening to the family and asking questions about Melissa. Finally, we've been saying this all along. I feel like so much of this could have been avoided if the family had story worth and the police were reading their stories. Agreed. This is how you share information. Story worth, best gift ever, write it down. Every week, story worth will email your loved ones a single question. Like, who is your biggest enemy that the police should investigate if you're murdered? No, they are much nicer questions, but they are very open-ended questions that lead to, you don't know where it's going to lead. These questions are very, like, vague, so it's whatever that person's mind takes them on that wild ride. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, 
if you were to ask your grandma what was your favorite thing to do as a child, you don't know what she's where is she going to go with that story. It could go anywhere, and that's yeah. the best part for me. And they go deep. It's not like the same surface stories that you hear at every holiday dinner. Yes, we know that you once saw Vanna White at an airport, Uncle Todd, even though Aunt Julie insists that it wasn't her. You mention it every single year. Let's go deeper. What did you like to do as a child? Where's the furthest you've ever traveled? No, you're probably going to mention Vanna White and the airport story. Yes. What is your biggest fear? What would you go back and change if you could? Like really amazing Make that questions. actually Vanna White and not a lookalike. <laughs> I would take a picture. I would look at her driver's license. Yeah. To <laughs> have her hold up her driver's license and today's paper. So <laughs> also, it might look like you were kidnapping her, but that's why. <laughs> Uh, you buy him Storyworth to get the deeper stories, but somehow they all converge back to the Vanna White. The Vanna story. White. That's fine, though. It would be delightful. Fine. That, it made him happy. That's why we love Uncle Todd. Yeah. What's cool is that in real time, as your loved one is responding to these questions through email, you get emailed a copy of it so you can kind of follow along and read their stories. I was getting so many emails from Joni because she was she's still doing it obsessively. This is her third year of StoryWorth. I did opt out of the emails because I figured I'll wait for the book. Yes, there's a book. Yes. At the end of each year, they compile the stories, and you can also send in photos into this beautiful hardcover book that can be a keepsake you will have forever. And the title will be When I Met Vanna White. Joni <laughs> is now going to be on book number three. I'm going to have an Encyclopedia Britannica level of books story worth from Joni. I love it. I want volumes one through 15. It's going to be great. <laughs> Help your family share their stories this holiday season with StoryWorth. Go to StoryWorth.com slash date dateline today and save $10 on your first purchase. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash date dateline to save $10. StoryWorth.com slash date dateline. And I would like to point out that this is essentially a virtual gift until you get the book at the end of the year. So it's perfect if you might have forgotten to get someone a gift and you're seeing them tomorrow for the holidays. Go online right now. Yeah. Just sign up. It's perfect. You don't even have to wrap anything. Done and done. Done and done. Thank you, StoryWorth. Thank you, StoryWorth. Because every story is worth its weight in Vanna White. <laughs> I can't believe that's amazing. I'd like an S, please. <laughs> Pat, can I have an S? Yes. Katie, speaking of stress and flames on the side of my face, I have something else that this episode has given me, Ooh. and that is stress acne, yeah. which is also called stress knee, and I don't like it. Yeah, I know. Look, holiday season is here. So with it comes some good things, gift giving, sure, some great food involved, but it also can have some sort of not pleasant things like the dreaded holiday portraits where someone insists on taking a picture of everyone together or some pictures yeah. of you individually, no. which is also just terrible. If you're like me and you have had years of skin troubles or even just a few really frustrating months of skin troubles, you know the one thing that you want to avoid 
is photos. You do not want it documented for all time. I have only recently allowed my mom, who constantly tries to take pictures of every moment, big or small, to take (laughs) my picture again. Much of this has to do with feeling so horribly embarrassed about my really bad, uncoverable cystic acne. There is no makeup that can cover nodules under your chin. While we can't control other aspects of the holidays, we can make sure that you feel confident and camera ready for your photos with apostrophe. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, apostrophe will help you love the skin that you're in. Apostrophe is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized acne treatment for your unique skin. Through Apostrophe, you can get access to oral and topical medications that use clinically proven ingredients to help clear acne. Mm. Simply fill out an online consultation about your skin goals and medical history, then you snap a few selfies and a board-certified dermatologist will create your initial customized treatment plan. Apostrophe offers access to prescription treatments for all kinds of acne. That's hormonal acne, facial acne, even back, chest, and butt acne. They treat breakouts from head to mistletoe. From the beginning of my apostrophe journey to this day, it's been so nice to know that I have access to an expert dermatology team and that my plan was tailored just for me. Mm -hmm. Submitting my visit was so convenient and simple. It was really easy to navigate, and it was such a relief to not need to schedule an appointment or sit in a dreaded waiting room. And as an added little present to myself this season, I have a refill of my topical and oral medications on their way. And when I talk about present, I mean the unboxing of apostrophe is adorable. The boxes are cute. The bottles are cute. They come with stickers so you can decorate them. It feels like you're opening a caboodle. It's adorable. So if you're ready to shine in your holiday photos this year, then it's time for you to check out this incredible deal from Apostrophe. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash date dateline when you use our code date dateline. That's a savings of $15, and this code is available only to our listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash date dateline, click get started, then use our code date dateline at sign up to get your first visit for only $5. Give your skin a real gift this season. Check out our friends at Apostrophe. Thank you so much, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode and for sponsoring my better skin for all of 2022. Aw, for sponsoring your glow up. Aw, thank you, Apostrophe. Thank you. So police think it's obviously Melissa and Chris, but they need proof. They go to their house and go through their trash. I love when the police are trash pandas. The the trash is my favorite. Yeah. They find a pair of running shoes that appear to be new and they're thinking, why would anyone throw out a new pair of running shoes? And then, strangely enough, an officer recognizes the shoes and says those are sold at Walmart. And that officer was me, because that is something that I would be able to do. Yeah, you. <laughs> I was there. I He's did a that. fashionista. Yeah, that would be a great job. Is that a job? Can someone do that? Where they like show clothes and then someone immediately knows what it what is, what brand and they are, and yeah, and they can. Yeah, yeah. That was um, on sale in 2011. <laughs> yeah. You could do well on Reddit because people post stuff on Reddit and say, what is this shirt that Mary is wearing on Sister Wives in this episode? And then someone will be like, oh, it's obviously LuLaRoe because that's what she shills. Oh, and if people are honestly looking for stuff like that, you need to look up, I believe it's called Worn on TV. 
Oh, nice. One on TV breaks down major shows, but like some minor shows like Lifetime and Bravo too. And they'll tell you what the thing is, where you can buy it and how much it is. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Good to know. So also Walmart has entered the chat. So here we go. Mark Walmart off your bingo cards. So the Walmart... So just as weird to me as the wal- as the police officer saying those are sold at Walmart is going to the Walmart and saying, oh, yeah, we've only sold one pair of those recently. But I think they probably looked it up in the computer. But they on Dateline, they made it sound like just like the manager knows everything that's been sold at Walmart and just knows that, oh, we, those don't sell very much. We've only had one person buy them. It was this big guy. He was size beautiful, very tall. That's and so, why, yeah, why did that? I'm sure How, they looked it up on the computer, but hmm. I'd like to think someone there has a photographic memory and yeah. knows everyone in the town and what they're buying at Walmart. <laughs> exactly. So they go to the security footage and they find Chris buying the shoes. And this Walmart is in the same center as the Pita Pit and the subway. So they Come left on. this part out of their story of what they did that night. Also in the trash, they find gloves with Chris's DNA and Caleb's DNA on them. Okay, you have him. You're also, stupid. Chris That's is stupid. This is so. Why would you put them in your own trash? Why did you put them in your own trash? Why did you throw the shoes in your own trash? Two separate. Two. St- throw them at the pita pit, man. God, it's so dumb. It's killing me. Chris's DNA is found under Caleb's fingernails, so they obviously have enough to arrest him, but they don't because they want Melissa too. Yeah. And Melissa and Chris are moving back to Nova Scotia, where they abducted the children. They really like Nova Scotia. My God. And also with their six I do too. kids. Nova Scotia is beautiful. Also, she has six children, Melissa. Andrea Canning has six children. But oh, Andrea wow. Canning is an angel. Melissa, dirtbag. Yeah, so, really, really is. Enter the police's creation of a fake person named Sue. Nobody trusts a Sue that comes into your life out of nowhere. Sue, what's her name? Sue Andrews. Yeah. That's too good to be true. She says, I am a woman. She emails Melissa. I am a woman of means. And I like to help people in distress. And I have heard about you and your many, many children and all the things you've gone through. And I want to help. So she's just a philanthropist. A free agent philanthropist who's not associated with the charity just finds people to do good deeds. And her stories, Melissa's stories, just all over the paper. How right. would, how does Sue find out about Melissa? Just that they're poor, maybe, and have six children. Maybe that's the story. Maybe she doesn't even know about the deaths. I this- heard you're new in Nova Scotia, and I am a woman of means, which is very much like a woman of a certain age. It, it- this is very, this is, Melissa's not bright. No. Well, Melissa was skeptical at first, they said, but then Sue keeps offering gifts. Like, here's some gift cards for groceries. Here's some Best Buy gifts so for your children can have laptops. I don't know. That's like, more suspicious. Is it, why is this lady giving you gifts? Because Canada. Canada is that nice. I don't, she, I mean, I would immediately think she expects something in return, like maybe one of the children. <laughs> I'm worried about this. Yeah, I would be worried it was a cult, for sure. Oh, for sure. And she doesn't even see, is Sue very religious? Because I could see someone that's very Christian doing something like this. I could see someone very Scientology and someone very Nexium-y. Yeah. So. By the way, did you watch season two of The Vow? I didn't watch season one of The Vow. 
Oh, my God. So Sue gives Melissa a weekend away with the kids at an amusement park. So the whole family goes to this amusement park. And it's all a ruse so that police can go in and put wiretaps in their house. Well, duh. (laughs) Duh. Melissa. Chris. Why is Chris allowing this? Isn't he? Who is this new friend, Sue, that keeps giving you things? They're not smart. No, they're not smart. He left the gloves in the trash. They're not smart. So then police do what I was hoping they would say the phrase that I was waiting to hear, which is what they're doing, which is what Mank and Dennis have called tickling the wires. Oh, my God. But Andrea doesn't say that. She's Good. too classy. That's right. But this is when the police kind of do things on the outside to trigger conversations so that they can hear things on the wiretap. So they pretend they are a victim's liaison person updating Melissa and Chris about the case, Caleb's murder. So, oh, we have a new suspect or, oh, we just found DNA. And they send the emails at night when the kids are asleep so that it will prompt Melissa and Chris to talk about it openly with the wiretaps there tickling the wires no also this is so suspicious and melissa and chris why do you, okay so they we hear them on the wiretaps talking about caleb could chris have caleb's dna on him chris basically admits that he did it he says i went in there and that coward he didn't fight so they i'm sure i don't have they don't have my dna and just really gross and she's very stressed about it and they're thinking like what could we do and he says well i was running errands when bridget died so they can't what are they going to say i was i killed bridget and then i went back to work and i was acting all normal no one could do that people do that on dateline all the time but he's so like working himself up because he thinks they're in danger they're going to be accused of something so they're talking fully about it okay finally they feel like they have enough so they arrest Melissa and Chris. And the family is glad, but also we were right the whole time. Yeah. Why did this take so long? So the police interrogate Chris. They tell him what they have. They tell him we have your DNA. They play him the wiretaps. And he says, no, you can't even hear anything on those wiretaps. That's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not my DNA. And he denies. But after many hours of interrogation, probably too long, he breaks. 13, 13 hours. That's way too long. He breaks. But before he confesses, he does the most Canadian thing ever. He apologizes for lying to the cop. Yeah, he does. I'm sorry I lied to you. I tried to pull the wool over your eyes. It's so quaint. It's just so Canadian. And then he admits, I killed Bridget. I hit her and I strangled her. I was just driving around and I found myself near the house. And I thought, what if I just did this? So it wasn't premeditated. Caleb, he snuck out in the middle of the night. Melissa, he says, did not know. He used his Caleb's son's key to get in the house and he attacked Caleb. But Caleb fought back, which is the opposite of what he said on the tape. And they were fighting and struggling and he hit him with a bat, strangled him. The interrogation is 13 hours. Caleb insists Melissa didn't know anything until after I killed Caleb. Then Mm -hmm. I told her about it. And then they ask him about Bill. Did you, what about Bill? And he says, no, I didn't do it. I swear on my heart, I didn't do it. That one, I was like, okay, maybe not. He sounds so genuine that he's like, that he didn't, and he says Bill was the nicest one of that family. 
And it seemed very different tone than in the beginning when he's trying to pretend like he didn't kill anyone. He's yeah. not doing anything. So he's lying. That was a very different tone than what we got when they asked him about Bill. That seemed very straightforward and right away. Like, no. I wish, though, they had said, why did you guys flee with the children on the same day? I had an idea about that. And I wish that they had either, maybe they did, and maybe this was the excuse that they gave. But my thought was, it is possible that Melissa thought that Caleb was going to somehow take the children, or now he was going to have means, or who knows? He was thought that maybe they would, maybe they thought that Caleb killed Bill, like no, everyone else. She Caleb did was kind in of, jail. Or she thought that they had Bill killed. Maybe so that was, was kind of true. Of yeah. Caleb. So yes. she So she fled. took the children. So she feared for their safety and took them. That would be a good excuse. That's a, there's a few good excuses here that I'm wondering why the defense didn't play up. She had a huge DV angle. If that was true, right. what she was saying about Caleb, which now we don't know. But right. this is like a lot of reason to kind of go after Caleb. She says he had been convicted once for the DV stuff. But I don't know if she it really happened or not. We don't. I don't. Know. We don't know. So police are transporting Caleb and Melissa, and they put them together in a holding room. And you think that's weird. Why would they do that? Because they're bugging that room and they want more. And Melissa and Chris keep talking to each other. Of course, it's bugged. I have no idea why they're talking and they think you, whispering won't do it. You're probably bugged on your jacket. You heard the bugged tapes from your inside your house. Why do you think you're not being bugged now? You already know they've been bugging you for months. Why are you talking? Why are you talking? Write it down. Stop. Write it down. Sign language. Come on. Charades. Any mouth words. Yes. Literally mouth words. Oh, what my are God. You doing so caleb says, and they're not even really whispering they're whispering like this yeah <laughs> i don't know what the point of the Where's whispering like is stage whisper <laughs> do you think people can't hear you if you just take the emphasis out of your voice yeah. what do you what's these i don't I, they're not they're smart. not bright no so chris says i'm taking the rap you're gonna get accessory after the fact so he admits, I'm taking the raps because I don't want you to go to jail for that because I don't want both the kids to lose us. So hopefully you won't get jail time or you'll just get a little and then you can raise all of our six children. And Melissa is like nagging him. Why did you do it? You shouldn't have said anything. But why did you tell him that? And <laughs> I wish he had been like, Call, I just did this for you. Also, he's out there killing people with his bare hands, friends. Yeah. This is terrifying. Yeah. This is really scary. Mm -hmm. And then Melissa says, those tapes would have effed us anyway, which police seem to think means that she knew all along. I don't quite know how that tracks. I don't know. I feel either. like I'm missing something. Or there's something in the tapes that you think is really bad, and I don't know. Right. But they feel like now they know that she knew all along. Right. Then they have a new pathologist reviewing Bill's autopsy from the very beginning. And he thinks it clearly shows that Bill was assaulted. And if the autopsy had originally read that, there would have been an investigation. And maybe the killer would have been caught. And so maybe this is all the first coroner's fault as well. I don't know about this. Bill is hard. Bill, I don't know. Do you think Bill was really assaulted or do you I don't think, know. I don't I know. I mean, okay. I believe I the new pathologist, but I don't know. 
I also know it depends on what the clawing marks are. If you're having a heart attack, you are grabbing at yourself. Mm-hmm. So I just have a lot of questions. They include Bill's death in the trial of Melissa and Chris. They charge mm-hmm. both of Melissa and Chris for the murders of Bridget and Caleb, mm-hmm. but only Chris is charged with Bill's murder. So Chris takes the stand and flips. He says, I did not kill Bridget. I only confessed because I wanted to protect Melissa and because the interrogation was way too long. He does admit, though, on the stand that he killed Caleb because he knows they have that DNA evidence on him. But he says it was an accident. I just wanted to sneak into his house in the middle of the night to rough him up so that maybe he would be laid up and I would get more time with the kids. What's going on with the kids? This is... No, really. Maybe they really thought Caleb was really bad. Or That's maybe exactly why I'm not wondering why they're not going with that defense. Caleb was hurting the children. Or Melissa was telling Chris all these horrible things about Caleb. So now Caleb thinks, I'm sorry, Chris thinks that Caleb is a monster. So why isn't Does Chris he... saying this as part of his defense? Right. I thought that Caleb was hurting these children he hurt my wife like this and this and this we have all this history with him right also you might be able to get off on that because of caleb's history with the drunk diving and a dv arrest Mm -hmm. that might work but it Mm -hmm. seems like he's not using or they just used it and they left it out of the dayline right but it seems like that's the way you would go or to play devil's advocate and i don't like doing this there are a lot of holes in melissa's story about the abuse and if they brought that up in trial, it could be. So maybe they in. were going to do it and they decided not to I don't because know. of that fact. I don't know. So he says, I just wanted to rough up Caleb, but Caleb fought back. And so I had to kill him. Okay. The wiretaps do have a lot of things that are unintelligible. They couldn't translate, see what the words are. So they're like, the whole meaning could change if there's that word missing that you can't tell what it is. So because nothing on the tapes. unintelligible all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Unintelligible. So we don't know what the tapes say. It doesn't work. Chris is found guilty of Bridget's murder and of Caleb's murder, but not Bill's murder. Yeah, that makes sense. And Melissa is found guilty of Caleb's murder, but not Bridget's murder. It's a hung jury for Bridget. So well, no, it's just a split so. decision. Oh, I said I I thought they said it was a hung jury for Bridge. No, because then they would need a new trial. She gets she's found guilty of Caleb's because they think she knew about that one, but they don't think she knew about Bridget's. They believe. Well, why don't they? Why do they say it was a hung jury for Bridget then? I thought they just said it was a split decision. It was like mm-hmm. a mixed decision. Maybe she's using hung jury in a different way. Maybe they're just not going to retry it. Maybe. Maybe they realized they couldn't get it. Yeah, for Bridget's. Mm -hmm. Doug thinks Melissa is the mastermind, but he understands that because he's Canadian, he understands that the police probably couldn't prove that. So he's just excited that there were some charges in there. The family does want law enforcement and the coroner's office to be accountable for the two extra murders that happened if they had just done their job in the first place. The police department will not talk to Dateline. The family is not suing because they're not American. They want an investigation into it. And the kids are doing well. They live with family. And the brother, Doug, talks very sweetly about all of three of them and how much impact they had and how they'll never be forgotten. And he's just lovely. 
It is the biggest precious moment that we end with. Yeah. She's like, how do you think they'll be remembered? Or do you think they'll be remembered? And he's like, do I think they'll be remembered? Mm -hmm. Look through the stuff and you see thank you notes and this and this. And he tears up just talking about it was so sweet and just Doug is the tops. Doug is the tops. This also the tops are the people who this episode are dedicated to. Jamie H. from Patreon and... Jennifer K. from Supercast. Hey! We have our first ever... Crossover episode, crossover duo. Jamie and Jennifer being best friends together forever. The fun, the fun never, never ends. ends. When you're on Patreon and Supercast, you are supporters of this podcast. Of this podcast. Yay! That was totally improv. Was it really? Yes! That was really good. It would be way better if I had thought about the lyrics ahead of time. That was really good for impromptu. You're on fire. Because the lyrics I was coming up with while you were singing, Uh ready to jump in if you were struggling, Uh were much not even as good. (laughs) Though you were a 10 and I was a 1.5. That is way too nice. Jamie and Jennifer, that song is for you, ladies. That song is for you. I don't know what we're going to do next time we have a crossover. Or that I song sing, is Will for I you sing friends. that song every week with different mm-hmm. lyrics? Maybe. I don't know. I really liked it. I loved it so much. Also, if you're a longtime listener, that song originated from Kimmy Schmidt, but then it became Katie's opus Mickey and Mankey. Mickey and Mankey being best friends of Mankey, Joey Needed It fame. Oh, boy. I would like to revisit that episode. Can we re-record The Favorite Son? I love Mickey. Let's re-record The Favorite Son. Thank you so much for supporting us on both of those platforms. Amazing. It's so amazing. Thank you. And I hope you have a great holidays, and I hope that your 2023 Happy New Year. Hope it starts well. Yay. And we have a little, before we get into B-Roll Bonanza, we have a show we want to tell you about, which is friend of ours, Lainey, who is a podcaster, and she's been doing this forever. She's one of these legit OG podcasters who does her research. She's really respectful of the victims. She's just professional. She's just everything we are not, but try to be. And Katie's like, we are. So she has a podcast called True Crime Cases with Lainey. This is for those true crime fans who just want to hear these amazing stories told in a really well-produced show. Wow. Hi, I'm Lainey Hobbs host of True Crime Cases with Lainey. It's an immersive narrative podcast that shares a new case each episode. The crimes covered in my show range from the seemingly innocent granny who poisons her victims to the serial killer who conned the state of Wisconsin. As always, I engage with empathy when recounting these cases. Download and subscribe to True Crime Cases with Lainey on your favorite podcatcher or head to truecrimecasespodcast.com. You won't want to miss an episode. Laney, you're awesome. You're awesome. Here's to Laney. Cheers, Laney. I love the name Laney. Yeah, me too. It's Can such a cute name. Can we just change my name to Laney? Kimber Laney? Okay. Did it. I like it. It's great. Okay, B-roll Bonanza. Yep. We get the longest Folgers moment in the history of ever with the cousin Kate. She is in front of that window with the coffee about seven different times. I don't know if you caught it. Did you catch it? Was there any steam coming out of the mug? At one point, but then at one point, but she is, but first of all, it's full winter where they are. Yeah. Because the winter wear is out in full. Then we've got some pretty rowing on the lake. What's that called when you're on the row team? What is that called? Crew. 
crew. That's it. It was very pretty. And then Caleb's friend, Stephanie, who we get lots of interviews with. She's very, very bundled up at one point outside. At several points I outside. think she was bundled up inside, too. There, I have some fashion police on this. Big jacket. Yeah. It's cold there. Doug gets some great B-roll. He goes into a restaurant or something. The guy holds the door for him because Canada, and it's very nice. He's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and then he's sitting by the river, and then he's leaning on a bridge. He's great. He looks he's good all outside. over town. Yeah, Doug's a man about town. We have time-lapse traffic. Oh, yeah, that's right. I do love a time-lapse shot. Yeah, me too. We have lighthouse B-roll, which is not on the bingo cards because we almost never get lighthouse B-roll. But it's the best. I mean, lighthouses are just the coolest. All right. Here's and, the most important B-roll, though, really quick. Okay. Did you see the little mechanical people? No. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what they were. You know how there's lawn ornaments that spin? Like yeah. they show a bird at one point with the wings. Yes. There were these two people, a boy and a girl, and they were like, doing something it wasn't a teeter-totter but it almost looked like they were chopping wood or something oh. but they were two little mechanical people that were on it was in the nova scotia footage i have so many questions if anybody saw them i'm going to try to get a screenshot well and send we it need to that you. saw it on tv account no but it's an item they don't do items they only do clothing it's t- worn on. Yeah, it's just clothes. It's just for okay, people. Okay, well, like- TM, this is for accessories and lawn. Lawn ornamentation. Memorabilia. Got it. Yeah. They were so, I'm so upset lawn you didn't see them. Lawn ornamentation. If you have any more, go ahead because I'm going to try to find them. <laughs> Walmart Supercenter spelled with an R-E at the end because fancy. Oh, really? Because oh, like Canada. That. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that because we spell theater with an R-E in my theater community here. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Okay. Brands unhappy being on Tateline that are now associated with murder. Melissa, in most of her first interrogation, in all of her first interrogation, is wearing a sweatshirt that has Old Navy in giant letters across her chest. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I missed it. It's literally a black sweatshirt with huge white letters that says Old Navy across her entire body. Interesting. Surprised you missed that. I also, didn't, I honestly worn didn't on see TV. It. Where did she get that? I'm just kidding. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> I liked Liz's style, who was Bill's sister. I thought she was pretty cool. It was also Nicole's mom. Stunning Nicole. Very mom. yes. I liked both of them. Nicole is gorgeous. I wrote, This is a beautiful family. Period. Yes. Caleb's glasses over visor. Stephanie the friend super bundled up. Paolo's turtleneck. We yeah. don't see a turtleneck a lot, and I very much like them. Yeah. Canada. Boyfriend Chris is in affliction in affliction the whole time. Oh, interesting. And then, sorry, I guess I don't have to call him boyfriend anymore because that's who he was when I wrote that. And then Chris, in his interview, it's got to be freezing in there. Why is he in that giant puffy coat for half of it? Yeah, I don't know. That's their version of interrogation room blanket. Maybe they just give you a puffy coat. Oh, no, it was definitely his. But how cold is it that he's a big guy? I think they keep interrogation rooms cold like they keep talk show hosts rooms cold and doctor's office rooms cold. Oh, really? Maybe it does. Maybe it's a psychological thing. I would think hot would be better because then you feel like you're sweating and you got to get out of there. Yeah, maybe. So you'll just confess. It feels like hot would be much more. When Bill and Bridget get married, she's wearing a this like little Bo Peep hoodie. Did you see it? It was just a hood and it had, it was white, fuzzy. 
Oh, that's cute. I didn't see it. So sweet when they got married. But the real fashion accessory, besides, okay, so Bridget is wearing an apron that says, Caution, men cooking. And she's wearing at one point a large parrot pendant on her shirt. She is. She has style, her own style. Bridget, Bridget, her glasses glasses have the bridge on it. Are the most famous. That's why I thought I'd seen this episode because I recognized the glasses before I recognized anything else. But I hadn't. I just remembered the glasses. There. How would you describe them? Seventies fabulous. Yeah, I couldn't pull them off for sure. You could pull them off. If you just started wearing them, you could. No. It's just confidence. But I think they were her signature piece. They were really she cool. She had a signature style. No, I liked her. And I also liked that Doug kept calling her Bridge. Oh. That's and cool. I thought that was really sweet. Also, I don't know if you saw this, but Stephanie, the friend of Caleb, who was very animated, by the way, she seemed American, much more animated than everyone else in the episode for some mm. reason, the blonde lady. Mm. She had this the most amazing manicure. <laughs> Oh, I didn't see. She was talking with her hands a lot, and it was this really, like, dark, shiny, dark red. Mm. Very pretty. All right, here are the people. Can you see them? No, that is not coming through at all. Dang it. All right, I'll send you a picture. It's wild. They're wild. They're little wooden people. I've just never seen anything like it. I didn't know what they were doing. Oh, okay. I'm looking at these figures. That's, yeah, that's kind of how I was picturing them. I don't know how that works in the rain. I think you're overthinking these dolls. Sorry, I was upset. I watched, I I kept going back to them. I like those. I don't know what they are. There's figurines, like lawn ornaments. Figurines. They're doing something. They're they're logging. But when you watch it, they're moving. But why would you have logging. those outside? That looks expensive. I thought they had no money. Lawn ornaments are more than you think. These could be handmade. I don't know. By but they are. They're doing some sort of woodworking or something. See what I'm saying? They're crazy looking. I really am interested in them. And I've never seen them before, I think is why I've just never seen them. How do they get wet? It's wet there. Yeah, I don't know. But they were moving in the thing. I'll send you the time code. Anyways, (laughs) anything else? Fashion police. Titles. Yep. Quite a spectacle. I don't know what that means. That's good because of her spectacles. No, I like that. I like that a lot. Once, twice, Three times a killer. That's good. A lady killer, I should have said. And I hate you. Yeah. And my final title, Mm -hmm. the house that no realtor will ever be able to sell. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) But I did look up that I think in Canada, you don't have to disclose. Oh. If that people have been killed. So that's what I saw online. I don't know if that's true titles do you have any titles so nova scotia takedown because they andrea says that and i thought that was really good that would have worked whispered conversations Mm -hmm. and then instead of unintelligible unintelligent Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) sue per sus i love that because sue is suspicious yeah mm -hmm. i also had repeat offender i don't know why you had one one two three times a killer which is once Twice. Twice. All right. This is my one. Okay. Building bridges. Oh, that's good. Because of Bill and Yeah, I got it. Do you think that they did something with that when they were? Maybe. Maybe they had like shirts made or something. Because it works, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And then there were, maybe it was, they had like cable ties on the bridge (laughs) and then said they spelled 
They spell it Caleb. Caleb. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of... I couldn't work in Caleb. Sorry, Caleb. <laughs> I tried really, really hard. But They was... really should have named him Cable. No, like a river. Because then like a bridge over a river. Exactly. Yeah. Gosh. God, or like wasted iron. opportunity, guys. Yeah. Rod, even, I would have worked with. <laughs> Just name him Rod. Rodney. No? <laughs> that didn't come into play. You guys were right there. Come on. But on, anyways, they seem like amazing people. This is... Melissa and Chris are terrible. This was a yeah. horrible murder. It was very sad. But Disgusting. it was a great episode. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And we are back for one more episode before a week off for the holidays. And so we will see you again next week. We will see you next week. And th- please join us. In the meantime, jo- feel free to join us on Patreon and Supercast. I think you can gift a subscription if you're looking for a gift and someone likes our podcast. Yes, another virtual gift that you don't have to wrap. Yeah, another great gift for us is to give us a five-star review on Apple Music. Oh, that is such a good gift. Apple Podcasts, I mean. And don't do tag music. all of your friends on social media. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, be your own... Pita Pit. Be your own Pita Pit. Do you think they got that from the Peach Pit? From 90210? Yeah. Maybe. Could be. Make Be your own... It. Your Pita Pit is your heart, and your body is the Pita that surrounds your heart and soul. And just be strong in there and put some tahini sauce on it. Make strong, filling choices. It's yeah. Great. That's what we got today. <gasps> Bye, everybody. Bye. Love can build a bridge. I think my dad had seen this episode before. Pretended like he didn't? And pretended that he didn't. That's the other up. possibility is he always has his iPad in his lap and he checks sports scores obsessively and things like that. So, and he checks how many Instagram followers he has. By the way, he really wants all of you to follow him. It's it would Kimberly's be a great dad, Hanukkah Bob gift one. if you could follow Kimberly's dad. Happy Hanukkah, Bob. I didn't get you a present, but I got you a hundred more followers. Kim, that's a great present. Yeah. You could just buy him followers. He might I know, not know. I could. You're right. But he likes thinking that they're doing it for him and not because of me and the show. But you get to see amazing, adorable pictures of Ralphie. It's true. The dog. So that if that is alluring to you, Kimberly's dad, Bob, won. Done. Yeah. So we were arguing about if Caleb was going to die or not. And so I think he was checking on his iPad. That's messed up, Bob. My mom says whenever we watch, he always knows who did it and he spoils it for me and i said i bet he's looking things up on the ipad looking up the case and then acting like he just has guessed everything is he going to the bathroom in the middle yeah he goes to the bathroom all the time but he's an older gentleman they but do like that. with but is he using that as like a oh i have to go off to the toilet right he's either snorting cocaine or yeah. looking up who the murderer is or both or both happy Hanukkah. we figured you out bob yep This could be like when I used to hate when people would say, whenever I got that car, I, whatever. Instead of saying when I, they say whenever I. Who says that? No one says that. It's a regional thing. From where? What region? Well, I know Melissa from Moms and Murder and Criminality says it. And at first I was like, why did she say that? But then I realized, I think people from Florida say it. I've seen people on Dateline say it. And I guess they just say it.
It sounds not right to me. Oh, now I'm going to hear it all the time now that you've pointed it out to me. Yeah. I, yeah. No, it sounds wrong to me. You're going to think back to whenever I told you about people saying whenever, and you're going to remember that moment. Oh, my gosh. So, so let us know if you say that. Yeah. Let Apologies. us know where you're from if you say that. Yeah. But speaking of trash pandas, have you watched the guy on YouTube with his raccoons? He lives in Nova Scotia. And his dying thing for his wife that he would continue to take care of the raccoons and he feeds them every night. So every night there's a YouTube video. It's like years of them. And they all come over and he has names for them. The main one was Buddy. He's like the guy with the squirrel. And then sometimes and then the babies come. He's like Linda from Bob's Burgers. I'm going to send you a video. The raccoons are 15 times the size of a normal raccoon because he feeds them 15 courses. They get grapes. (laughs) They get nuts. They get hot dogs. Like oh my every God. night, just pounds of food. They're like little roly poly um, on raccoons. Bob's Burgers. She tried to set up a cafe, like a dining restaurant. Oh yeah, I remember in the alley with little mini tables and chairs. Raccoons are real cute. I know they're yeah. crazy. Probably and rip my face off for a piece of pizza, but actually, so would I. I love pizza, but there you go. 